Welcome back to Sister Alec Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church related. My name is Allison C. Holt, and I am your host on today. And today we are going to continue our journey through the Bible in 2024. We've already talked about the book of Genesis. We've already talked about the book of Exodus. We've already talked about the book of Leviticus. And now we are in the book of Numbers. Listen, we have learned a lot. We have found out that God gives our detailed instructions to his people and he requires his people to follow those details. We have found out that God um, um, will bless you as long as you follow the rules, as long as you adhere to his commandments. And we also found out that God will curse you if you do not follow the rules and if you do not follow his commandments as he requires of his people we found out that God requires us to be holy why because he is holy and he made us in his image therefore he wants us to be exactly like him my God from Zion we found out a lot we found out about um the um holy festivals we found out about uh, the passover the day of atonement we have found out about so many good things here in the old testament on our bible study journey our bible reading journey so now we're going to get into our last two books in the book of numbers which is chapter or actually our last two chapters in the book of Numbers, which is chapter 21 and chapter 27. Now, chapter 21 kind of focuses on the bronze snake. Chapter 27, we'll find out about the laws of inheritance and we'll find out about Joshua's leadership. So what we're going to do, as we always do, we're going to read both chapters and then we're going to come back and summarize um, what we found out in the two chapters. So let's get started. We are going to start Numbers, the 21st chapter, starting at the first verse. And I am reading from the NIV version of the Bible. And I always let you know that I am... Um, I prefer the King James Version, however, because of new believers just beginning um, on this Bible study journey, I'm reading from the NIV, New International Version, so that there will be a better understanding of what is being said. So here we go. Numbers 21, starting at the first verse, and it reads, When the Canaanite king of Arad who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming along the road of Antharim. He attacked the Israelites and captured some of them. Then Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. The Lord listened to Israel's plea and gave Canaanite, the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them and their towns. So the place was named Horma. Verse four, they traveled, talking about the Israelites, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route of the Red Sea to go around Edom. Remember, we learned that Edom who are their cousins would not allow them to go through their land so they had to turn back and go in a different direction in order to go around Edom I want you to remember this in your Bible reading um, journey remember why they had to go back 
because of their cousins. And you can listen to it in the previous podcast about the Edomites, which are the children of Esau. And the Israelites are the children of Jacob. And Esau and Jacob were brothers. Okay, so they couldn't go through Edom. So they had to turn back and go back the way of the Red Sea. Now listen, you wonder, well, why were they in the desert so many years and it only supposed to take them a few days. Well, this is one reason why. And I want you to read and find out how long they were in the, the wilderness and how long it could have taken them. I don't want to give that away. I want you to read and study and find out for yourselves. Okay, so, but the people grew impatient. Here we go. These Israelites, they are something else. This is why Moses, like we talked about in the previous podcast, Moses prayed and asked the Lord to kill him if he had to deal with these people any longer. And this is a reason why a leadership is not easy at times. Leadership can be hard. And here, let's let's read that again. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God, oh my, and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. This miserable food is called manna, the food that God himself gave them from heaven. My God, from Zion. And they're saying, we are tired of this miserable food. Now, you can listen in the old uh, previous podcast where God, they wanted meat. So God gave them uh, quail and God was so angry with them. He said, as they eat the quail, they were basically, while they were chewing on the meat, while they were eating this meat, because he said they're going to eat quail until it comes out of their nostrils. Go back and read it. Uh, go back and listen to the podcast. And um, as they were eating the meat, as the meat was in their teeth, as the scripture said here in the, in the NIV version, God killed them. He struck them down dead. So... We've learned that we do not want to complain. We want to be thankful for what we have, thankful for the food that's on our table, thankful for what we have to drink, even if it's just water. Thank God we have water because water, is, it sustains us. Be thankful for what we have. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. I'm going to read it. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt, where they were slaves in Egypt, out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. My God, I'm Zion. We don't want to complain. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. So this is letting us know, do not speak against God. God is no joke. God is not to be played with. He's not to be fooled with. They said, we have sinned when we spoke against God and we spoke against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Poor Moses. I feel my heart goes out for Moses as being a leader because I understand God has placed upon me that leadership uh, ability or instinct. And I've always seen to to fall into being a leader, even when I don't want to be a leader, for some reason, I end up being in some form or fashion of leadership. So therefore, I understand most of them, and my heart goes out for him, because those people people were, as the Bible says, stiff-necked and hard-headed and rebellious. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake 
and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Now listen, you may think, hmm, God is telling them to make some form of idol. No, no, God was not telling them to make some form of idol. God provided a way of escape. Let's look at it and let's uh, look at the scripture clearly. God provided a way for them to escape uh, from their um, sin or uh, from the consequences of their sin. So he provided a way of escape that required only faith. See, only faith, looking at the snake, is through by their faith that they were healed or that they did not die. It was not an idol. All you had to do was look at it and you were alive. But that required faith. So God provided a way of escape for the people. But in typical style, typically the Israelites, the Israelites uh, corrupted the meaning by keeping the bronze image of the snake. And what did they do? <laughs> they made it an idol. My God, my God. Boy, people, we, our minds are so uh simple at times if i can use that word uh it's just always want to go to the negative i always want to go to the evil part i always want to go to the wicked part why because as my pastor always tells us there is a devil loose and the bible tells us that also that satan is like a roaring lion he's walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour so there is a devil loose and what is the devil doing he's seeking who he can manipulate he's seeking who he can um uh, uh deceive he's seeking those people out he's seeking everybody out really if we pay attention if we listen he will get us so that's what he did i would say here that the devil was at work because he corrupted the minds of the people and what did they do they made the snake on the pole into an item now the bible does tell us in second kings the 18th chapter in verse 4 that king hezekiah destroyed the image he destroyed that snake eventually but it took a while for that image to be destroyed my god i'm saying god just made a way of escape and they took that and perverted it my god let's continue to read we're going to go to verse 10. the israelites moved on and camped at Oboth. Then they set out from Oboth and camped in Iri, Iri Abaran, in the desert that faces Moab toward the sunrise. From there they moved on and camped at Zeret in Zeret Valley. They set out from there and camped alongside the Arnon, which is the desert extending into Amorite territory. The Arnon is the border of Moab between Moab and the Amorites. I, I'm trying to pronounce these words um, clearly so that you can uh hear what i'm saying and, and, and get some kind of understanding now granted i probably won't pronounce every word correctly but i'm doing the best i can my god thank you jesus the arnon is the border of moab between moab and the amorites that is why the brook of the wars of the lord says we have in sepha and the ravens ravines rather and arnon and the slopes of the ravines that lead to the site of ar and lie among the borders of moab now listen the bible here is speaking about a book 
that no longer a quotation i would say this is a quotation that comes from a book that is no longer in existence it, it cannot be found and the bible makes many mentions of such books that have vanished uh and they cannot be found now in the book of uh let's see joshua and second samuel for example it talks about the book of jasher and on your christian journey you most likely will come across or hear about the book of jasher and we can see here that in joshua and in second samuel the book of jasher is mentioned so that lets us know that the book of jasher is an actual book even though it is not in the bible also we can find that there is mentioned in the bible a book of the kings of israel um that is not in existence anymore the books have vanished as uh this uh scripture tells us so also i want to say in the book of jude which is right before the book of revelation jude quotes a uh, scripture out of or, or a writing out of um the book of enoch and a lot of people think or say that the book of Enoch is not real. You know, these are books that are not placed in the Bible. And we find out in our historical reading about the Bible that a lot of stuff was removed from the Bible. Hear me as I say it, hear me clearly. A lot of stuff back throughout history was taken out of the Bible. Um, Jewish Jewish uh, priests, or Jewish people, if you will, uh, felt like some things should not be in the Bible, especially about Jesus Christ. So they took it out of the Bible. Then you come through um, history and there are the kings and different individuals uh, that actually took things out of the Bible. So when you find that it is quoted in the Bible, like we see here, I would say, okay, like the book of Jesher here. I would say, okay, the book of Jesher is a legitimate book. Like in the book of, and this is my own opinion, in the book of Jude, Jude uh, quotes um, verses or lines out of the book of Enoch. And when Jude talks about the book of Enoch, then I personally feel like the book of Enoch is a legitimate book. So anyway, I just wanted to chime in there and talk about the different books that are out there there's really not that that is not in the bible and some scholars or some leaders or some teachers or some christians do not um consider the books as valid uh, information however i personally feel if it's talked about in the bible because i i believe everything that's in the bible i feel like if it's talked about in the bible then i feel like it's an, a legitimate document anyway so we're going to move on to verse 16. from there they continued on to be there and well the well where the lord said to moses gather the people together and i will give them water then israel sang this song spring up O well sing about it about the well that the princes dug that the noble of the people sank the nobles with scepters and staffs then they went from the desert of matenai from matenai to nahilio from nahilio to bimoth and from bimoth to the valley of moab where the top of pishgah overlooks the wasteland israel sent messengers to say to the Sahan king or Sihan king of the Amorites, let us pass through this country or your country rather. We will not turn aside into any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We will travel along the king's highway until we have passed through the territory. Now this is the exact same thing that they said to the Edomites, their cousins, and the Edomites said, no, you couldn't, you cannot pass through our land. And actually they went out to war with them. And that's why the children of Israel had to turn back around and go back toward the Red Sea. So they said the same thing here to the king, to King Sihon, or Sihon king of the Amorites. 
and let's see verse 23 but Sihon would not let Israel pass through his territory he mustered his entire army and marched out into the desert against Israel but listen look what happened when he realized Jahaz when he reached Jahaz he fought with Israel Israel however put him to the sword and took over his land from the Arna to the Jabbok but only as far as the Ammonites because their border was fortified. So they fought with King Sihon and they won and they took all of his land until they got to, they butted up against the Ammonites land and they did no longer um, go any farther because the Ammonites land was fortified. So Israel captured all the cities of the Amorites. See this Ammonites and Amorites. And the king Sihon is of the Amorites and, and occupied them. So Israel captured all the cities of the Amorites and occupied them, including Hishbon and all its surrounding settlements. Hishbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken from him all his land as far as the Arnon. This is why the poets say, come to Hishbon and let it be rebuilt. Let Sihon city be restored. Fire went out from Hishbon, a blaze from the city of Sihon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the citizens of Arnon's Heights. Woe to you, O Moab. You are destroyed, O people of Chemosh. See, Chemosh was their idol god. It says, Woe unto you, O Moab. Moab, you, destroyed, you are destroyed, O people of Chemosh. He has given up his sons as fugitives and his daughters as captives to Sihon, king of the Amorites. But we have overthrown them. Hishbon is destroyed all the way to Debon and have uh, demolished them as far as Nopha, which extended to Medeba. <laughs> My God, I'm saying these, these names. Honey, doing the best I can. Okay, so Israel settled in the land of the Amorites. After Moses had sent spies to Jaser, the Israelites captured its surrounding settlements and drove out the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up along the road toward Bashan and Og, king of Bashan and his whole army marched out to meet them in battle at Indri. And the Lord said to Moses, do not be afraid of him, for I have handed him over to you with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon. So they struck him down together with his sons and his whole army, leaving them no survivors, and they took possession of the land my god my god let's go back to verse 34 and the lord said to moses do not be afraid of him for i have handed him over to you with his whole army and his land listen you do not have to be afraid of the enemy you do not have to be afraid of, as we can say today, your haters. You do not have to be afraid of what the devil is trying to do in your life. Especially when God said, let's read it again. Verse 34, and the Lord said to Moses, when God says it, that's settles it when God says this there is no reason to be afraid God said to Moses do not be afraid of him why are you afraid don't be afraid of him I have already handed him over to you he <laughs> you have already won the battle he's already destroyed don't you even worry yourself he said I've given you he, I have handed him over to you with his whole army 
and his land and all of his possessions i have given him to you don't be afraid just go to battle just do what the lord tells you to do just go to battle go to warfare as we can say here today just get in warfare do what you know how to do and don't worry about what the enemy is doing because god said honey god said do not be fearful and do not be afraid i am with you my god from zion that does i love that scripture do not be afraid of him don't be afraid of him don't be afraid of it don't be afraid of them don't be afraid for i have handed him over to you and verse 35 so they struck him down they they defeated him the king of bashan together with his sons and his whole army everybody everybody got defeated and the bible said leaving them no survivors so they killed everybody nobody survived and what happened then the people of israel took possession of the land of bashan god said don't be afraid i've given it already into your hands just go and and fight the fight fight the battle do the warfare kill up everybody leave nothing standing that means uh, in our terms uh when you go to warfare with the devil don't pity pat take him out do whatever it takes with your whole armor you got your whole armor on you got your helmet of salvation your breastplate of righteousness you got your lawns girt about with truth you got your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace you got the shield of faith in one hand and you got the sword of the spirit which is the word of god your bible so when you go to warfare with the devil you use everything in this bible and you don't take no prisoners we don't take prisoners we kill everything and i'm talking spiritual i'm not talking about natural death i'm not talking about natural killing i'm talking about spiritual killing i'm talking about satan and his demons his imps uh listen the bible tells us is in, in the book of ephesians that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood we don't wrestle against man it's the spirit inside of that man is the demonic forces inside of that man that we're wrestling against or that we're fighting against that's why your armor is a spiritual armor your your sword is spiritual the word of god your your breastplate is spiritual and we have to put it on every single day spiritually we have to put it on you you got to put it on by faith you don't see it in the natural but honey when you say i put on the uh the I put on my war clothes, basically. I put on the helmet of salvation. Your spirit man is putting on the helmet of salvation. You don't see it in the flesh. You don't see it in this natural realm. But let me tell you, by faith, your spirit man is putting it on. And your spirit man has the sword of the spirit. Your spirit man has the shield of faith. And you are in warfare. So, going back to the scripture for today. You put it on don't be afraid why because god has handed him over all his demons all his uh imps everything is handed over to you and you leave nothing standing you use this word of god you don't pity pat you don't play with it you cut you slice and dice with your sword which is your word and you tear down the devil's kingdom my gotham zion i just want to add it add that in there and let you know to be strong and be very courageous and we're going to talk about that in the book of joshua my gotham sign i am going to move on that is the bronze snake we've talked about we're going to move on to numbers 27 and we're going to find out a little bit about uh the laws of inheritance and we're going to find out about 
the leadership of Joshua. Remember, Mo, it's time for Moses to go on and be with the Lord. We In previous episodes, we found out that Moses and Aaron were disobedient to the Lord. The Lord told them to, uh, Moses to speak to the rock. Uh, him and Aaron went to the rock. Moses was angry with the people and Moses struck the rock. Therefore, God said their punishment was that they will not go over into the promised land. So Aaron died upon that mountain. And we're going to find out here that Moses is going to die. And, and before Moses die, he has to transfer his leadership. There has to be succession in leadership. Listen, you can't be a leader and you don't have in mind who's going to take your place. You don't know what is going to happen. God forbid there could be some kind of accident or something. You have to have in mind who's going to be uh, leading the crowd behind you. You have to know even even if you um, are uh, in an elderly state or even if you want to retire. You got to have in mind who is going to be in leadership after you have gone off the scene. And here we're going to see that in the Bible, that there has to be succession to leadership. And we're going to go over to uh, Numbers chapter 27. We're going to start here at the first verse. We're, this is a very short chapter. We're going to read it and we're going to come back and do our summary. Now, Numbers 27, starting at the first verse. The daughters of Zephyrus, son of Napher, the son of Gilead, the son of Machor, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Magla, Milchai, and Tiza, <laughs> praise God. They approached the entrance of the tent of meetings and stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the leaders, and the whole assembly, and said, Our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers. Now, we did not uh, read about Korah, but there's uh, Korah, Nathan, and Abiram. They came up against Moses and god killed them actually i mean this is a very good story i want you to go and look this story up but god their punishment was god opened up the earth up under them where they stood god opened up the earth Korah, nathan and Abiram, and unfortunately their wives their children their whole family were uh swallowed up by the earth my god from zion we can think of it today as maybe a sinkhole open up up under them but listen the earth opened up under them and i can imagine they went straight to hell that's and i'm just adding that in there but look up the story and read it for yourself it's been a long time since i read that story but that's a very good lesson for us as the people of God, look up Korah, Dathan, that's a K, K as in kite, O-R-A-H, Dathan and Abiram. Look at what, read what they did, how they came up against uh, Moses, and might as well say God, because Moses was God's leader, and what God did to them. Look that up. So, the daughters are saying, our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers, they, a, re, a rebellious Korah, who banded together against the Lord, but he died of his own sin and left no sons. So there was no sons in the family. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no sons? And if we go back and, and, and read in the book of laws, read the laws that uh, the inheritance always went to the firstborn son. But here the daughters are going to Moses because their father had died and they the there were no sons in the family. It was only girls, no boys, all girls. So they want to know, you know, there's no boys. My dad is gone. He's dead. So why should his name disappear within the clan, the clan of Manasseh, um, when he has daughters? 
very valid question. We're we're learning about inheritance here. So let's read that again. Our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sins and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? Give us, meaning the girls, property among our father's relatives. Excuse me. So Moses brought their case before the Lord and the Lord said unto him, God, Moses took this, this, this situation before God and God told Moses, he said, what Zephaled's daughters are saying is right. This is God speaking. The, what the daughters. Okay. So God said the daughters, what the daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and turn their father's inheritance over to them. Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, turn his inheritance over to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan that he may possess it. This is to be a legal requirement for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay, so that is the part about the inheritance. So there is a process and it's a legal requirement. If he has no sons, it goes to the daughters. If he has no daughters, then it goes on to his brothers. If he has no brothers, it goes on to the father's brothers. If the father has no brothers, then the inheritance goes to the nearest relative. So there is a process. There is a plan. God has a plan for everything. Now we're going to go on to Joshua's to succeed Moses. Now, when the Lord said to Moses, go up this mountain in the Eberim range and see the land I have given the Israelites. He's going to go and look at the promise. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people. Basically, you're going to die as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both you, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. So Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them one who will lead them out and bring them in so the lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd so god said this to moses basically telling moses it's time for him to die so moses is concerned that the people need a good leader to succeed him so the lord said to moses take joshua son of nun a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hands on him have him stand before eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence give him some of your authority so the whole israelite community will obey him he is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions from him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. Now you may want to say, what is a Urim? And how does he inquire of the Lord uh, of the Urim? Listen, Urim and, um, I'm see if I'm going to pronounce this correctly. Thuman, Urim and Thuman 
were carried by the high priest. There were two stones, basically. There were two stones that were carried by the high priest in a pouch that was sewn in his ephod. And his ephod was his apron-like garment. You remember we talked about the sacred garment that the priests wear. So there's a pouch sewn in the, the, the apron part of the garment that the priest kept two stones, the Urim and the Thummim. And these stones were used to obtain oracles from God. The human was used, or the Urin, Urum, Urim, was used um, by the priest to inquire of God on behalf of um, the rulers, such as kings, uh, the high court, or someone serving as a... Um, uh, serving as a need to the community. So these two stones were used to inquire of the Lord. Now they were used to answer questions or reveal the will of God. And they were used by the high priest. So I just want to make that um, plain because you can go back and read. Uh, look up Urim and Thummim and you can um, you, actually you can Google it and and hit on images and you can see what they look like these two some one's white and one's black and these two stones were used by the priest to uh uh get oracles from god and here it is right here in your bible so that lets you know this is a real thing okay so let's go back to 21 and read that he is to the talking about um Joshua, he is to stand before Eleazar the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim. So he's gonna the Eleazar the priest is gonna obtain, uh, basically get oracles from God, get information from God using the Urim. So he's gonna obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, and the Lord, as the Lord instructed Moses to do. So basically, Moses did exactly what god told him to do basically there was a succession before the whole community that joshua was going to succeed moses now let's go back and do a um breakdown of what we have read in chapters 21 and chapters 22 we want to bring out the key points here now numbers chapter 21 details several key events during the israelites journey in the wilderness focusing on conflicts divine interventions and continued journey toward the promised land now victory over the canaanites that comes uh verse 21 comes specifically comes out the gate with a victory over the Canaanites. The chapter opens with the Israelites' victory over the Canaanites' king of Arad in the Negev. It occurs after the Israelites vowed to God to completely destroy their cities if they are granted victory. And I just want to chime in here. We are going to learn. Hopefully, we will actually read the specific chapters we may read it we may not read it but if we don't read it on your own reading you're gonna find out that the um the people of the land once they get into the land of uh the promised land basically the people are because when they go in the promised land god tells them and we'll find this out in the book of joshua that they are going to have to take um the promised land they are going to have to possess it they're going to have to go in there and they're going to have to fight for it and that's what we're going to learn we got to learn for ourselves we have to fight for our possessions the things that god gives us why because the enemy is always there trying to snatch it from us trying to limit us from getting it 
<coughs> trying to delay us from getting it, trying to steal it from us. That is the work of the enemy. And we have to war for what belongs to us. And we're going to learn about that in the book of Joshua, which is coming up after Deuteron Deuteronomy. So, but I just want to chime in and say, uh, we can see here that the fighting or the warring has began here in the book of Numbers. You've got to fight for what belongs to you, especially if it's given to you by God. And we're going to find out more about this. So this occurs after the Israelites vowed to God completely to destroy their cities. And listen, when the Israelites went into the promised land, honey, they were killing up everything in sight. Uh, man, woman, child, animals, everything. And not on their own accord. This is what God told them to do. God said kill everything. And if they did not kill everything, and I know I am so far ahead of myself of what we're learning today but if they didn't kill everything then it was displeasing to god because god remember we're learning about details we're learning about how god gives specific instructions and we have to abide by those specific instructions and if we don't abide by those specific instructions god is not pleased and this is what we have been learning here. We learn it in the book of Leviticus. We're learning it now in the book of Numbers that God gives specific instructions and we must follow those instructions. If not, God is not happy with us. And sometimes the, the um, his anger is kindled onto or, or goes to the extent of death, goes to the extent of disease, I mean, my God from Zion, we read here in the book of Exodus how if we don't be obedient to his commandments, his laws, his rules, and if we continue to uh, um, run around in our folly, if we continue to sin after the Lord has tried to pull us close to him, if we continue to uh, run away from him, if you will, all kind of stuff will come upon us. We go back, listen to the podcast. That is Numbers, was it num No, it was Leviticus chapter 26. Go back and re read Leviticus chapter 26. It talks about the blessings, if we be obedient and follow the rules, and it talks about the cursings, if we do not follow the rules what will come upon us and granted he was talking to the children of israel but we can apply it to our life today why excuse me because he is the same god he is the same god yesterday back in the time of israelites he is the same god today and he is going to be the same god in the future so god his attributes doesn't do not change his, his mindset, yeah, he may change his mind, but who he is, it does not change. So if he thought that way back then, what do you think about now? Come on, somebody. So we got to be mindful of what we're learning here in these books of the Bible. Okay, so victory over the Canaanites, the bronze snake. As the Israelites continued their journey, they complained about the lack of food and water and expressed regret about leaving Egypt. In response, God sends venomous snakes among them. Uh, he, God will kill you in a minute. Listen, God will take you out of here. God sent venomous snakes among them, causing many deaths. So that's why we are not to complain. We are to be thankful for what we have. We be thankful for what we have and God will bless us with more. So be thankful for what you have. God sends venomous snakes among them, causing many deaths. After Moses intercedes for the people, God instructs him to make a bronze snake and set it on a pole. Well, actually, God didn't tell him to make a bronze snake. God told him to make a snake and put it on a pole. Moses made it out of bronze or made it bronze, basically. I mean, that's from my reading. I just want to chime in there and make that plain. Anyone bitten by the snake 
could look according to the NIV, I should say, according to the NIV version, but it may read as this in the King James, which I normally read. Anyone bitten by the snake could not could look upon the bronze snake and be healed. Okay, the journey to Moab. The narrative then shifts to the Israelites' travels. As you notice, as we read, the the we were jumping from one topic to another topic. The narrative shifts to the Israelites' travel and encampment as they move toward Moab. This part includes the crossing of Zer of the Zerat Valley. The defeat of Sihon, king of the Amorites. We talked about that. The Israelites request passage through the land of the Amorites, but King Sihon refuses and he goes out and attacks them just like he could and the Israelites defeated him. The Israelites put a whooping on him. The Israelites then occupied their land. So you don't just run up on anybody with any kind of mindset thinking that you are going to defeat them because you do not know who's uh, behind them, who's on their side. You don't know who's on their side, especially when that individual has God on their side. You just can't go up to them any kind of way thinking that you are going to defeat them. Because, honey, it would be sad for you to do that. And then it turns out that God is on their side. And what? You get destroyed. This is what we're learning here in the book of Numbers. So this king decided to go out. Uh, he refused their passage. And he decided to muster up his army and go out to attack the Israelites. And what happened? He got destroyed, him and his army, and the Israelites took his land. So we don't want to. We don't want to. Um, um, just my God, I'm trying to look for the word that I want to use, but we just can't assume. We can't make assumptions that uh, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna destroy this person, or uh, you know, and I'm talking about the enemy. The enemy can't make assumptions that he's going to go out and destroy you. Why? Because you have God on your side. We read also about not to fear. We read that in the 27th chapter, but we're going to get there. Okay. So the Israelites defeated Sahan and occupied his land. The defeat of Og, king of Bashan, he did the same thing. Similarly, they defeated Og, the king of Basham, and they took possession of his territory as well. So listen, when God is on your side, it is no joke. The enemy can come up against you. But listen, when God is on your side, he, he gives you the victory. As long as we're in right standing with God, we have the victory over our enemies. The enemy can come up against us all willy-nilly in any kind of way, thinking, oh, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then they find out, huh, this person actually has something. Or this person, the Lord is really on this person's side. So that is what we have learned in Numbers 21. Let's go to Numbers 27. The chapter is characterized by a mix of rebellion, divine punishment, mercy, and military victories. We're still talking about 27. The bronze snake incident is particularly noble as it symbolizes God's provision for healing and salvation in response to faith and obedience. The military victories indicate a significant progress towards the Israelites' goal of reaching the promised land. Now, Numbers chapter 27 focuses on issues of leadership, succession, and inheritance laws among the Israelites. Key events and rulings in this chapter includes the daughters of Zephalim. The chapter begins with the case of the daughters of Zephalim from the tribe of Manasseh. Their father has died without having any sons, and they approach Moses and the leaders to request an inheritance of their father's land. They argue that their father's name should not disappear from his clan just because he had no sons. And Moses bring the case to the, before the Lord and the Lord agrees. And then he puts out laws. The laws of inheritance was revised by God. Now God tells Moses that the plea of Zephyr's daughters is just and grants them the right to inherit their father's property, thereby establishing a precedent for inheritance, inheritance rights 
of daughters in cases where a man dies without any male heirs. So if there's no boys in the family, the girls get the inheritance. Moses' successor. God tells Moses to ascend to ascend the mountain and view the promised land, which he will not enter due to his disobedience at the waters of Meribah, which was which you can find in Numbers 20. Moses is concerned about who will lead the Israelites after his death and asks God to appoint a new leader. And God instructs Moses to lay hands on Joshua, the son of Nun, and commission him as the next leader. Joshua is presented as a man in whom is the spirit, we read that, the spirit of the Lord, and is set before Eleazar, the priest, and the whole congregation. Moses lays hands on Joshua, excuse me, and passes his authority, passes on his authority as God has commanded. Now, Numbers 27 is significant for its progressive stance on women's rights. The woman has a right to possess the land or the woman has a right to inheritance and for the orderly transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua, ensuring stability and continuity of the Israelites as they prepare to enter into the promised land. My God from Zion, we have learned something in the book of Numbers. We keep learning that God is a very detailed God and he gives detailed instructions and we must follow those instructions. We are learning this here in the beginning of the Bible that God is very detailed. So we must take that and we must apply it to our lives. We're going to apply what we learn in Genesis, what we learn in Exodus, what we learn in Leviticus and what we've learned in Numbers. We are going to apply all of this to our lives and i encourage you before we get into february next next week we have a free week in a sense because the first reading of february i actually well we can start the first reading uh next week however i'm going to give you a few days to go back and meditate and reflect on what we have learned in January of 2024, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. We went over four books of the Bible. The first four books of the Bible, we have went over them in the month of January. I want you to go back the next few days and read over what we have learned. And if you want the reading list, Go in the comment, uh, the description section and click the link to opt into the email and you will get the reading list. That way you can go back and read what we have already read or talked about and you can go forward and read what's coming up in the book of Deuteronomy. So... We are going to learn some good stuff in the year 2024. We're going to apply it to our lives. We're going to ask the Lord to help us with that application. Because remember, we're made from the dust of the earth. We are man. We are human. We are wrapped up in humanity. But God gives us the grace. God says, "In I give you grace. In your weakness is when I am made strong. His grace is is sufficient for us in our weakness he is made strong so that's why we call upon the lord and ask him to give us grace because it is sufficient for us in our time of weakness so thank you for listening to sister, to sister alicat's tea where we talk about all things church related and this year in 2024 we are journeying through the bible and we are learning some fabulous things about the bible about god about what we are supposed to do what happened to the israelites and how we can apply it to our lives now remember 
God is the same God yesterday, back in the Israelites' time. He is the same God today, and he will be the same God in the future. So we can always apply what is in the Bible to our lives on today. Many think, oh, well, you're reading from the Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant. Jesus came, and Jesus came. Jesus said he came. Um, he came. He didn't come to take away the law. He didn't come to take away that old covenant. He didn't come to take away the Old Testament. He came to fulfill the law. So let's not get it twisted. Let's not be uh, deceived by the enemy. The Old Testament applies just like the New Testament applied. There is a way that we can apply it to our lives. Listen, there's some good teaching in the Old Testament, and we're going to learn more as we read through the Bible, and we're going to learn how to apply it to our lives. Again, thank you for listening to Sister Addie Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church-related. Please like, comment, follow, and share. Follow this ministry on social media platforms. Look up Light and Darkness, L-I-T. Look for the website. Look for Allison C as in Cat Holt. And you will find our Bible Basics Builder YouTube channel. And guess what? Let's pray. We can't forget to pray. We always have to pray. May God bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen and amen. I want to let you know that I love you. And I will talk to you soon.